morning. Uh, if you're joining us by the internet, uh, we're glad that you're here too this morning. Uh, we're going to introduce a new song to you. Just learned it this last week, and man, I love it. I asked Amy to sing it with us. It's called Free Amen. You know, in the name of Jesus, we are free. There's, that's where true freedom comes from right there. Spiritual freedom that brings peace uh, is, uh, is the ultimate freedom. Let's stand and let's, uh, let's sing this together. Jump in as soon as you figure out how it goes. Sing it together.
seat. When I came here, I had an anger problem. I had a selfish problem. I had a, um, a control problem. I, all, all, all things only God could fix. I just didn't understand how if God had loved me so much, why would he put me through all of this? And why would he even think about having any person go through what they're going through? And no matter what, I couldn't fix it myself. And no matter how much I tried, it only failed every time. So the, this work therapy that they do here, yeah, you get out here and you get mad because you don't want to do any work. But you're only in, you're only you're only improving yourself. And and it takes you a second to to realize that. And then I realize that it's all part of God's plan that you know we're all going to go through bad times. He did die for us on the cross. And he's, he's going to be with us through those hard times, so I don't need to worry. They, they changed me. They, they really did. This I know. This I know. This is a video from our Tennessee Baptist Children's Home, and we're in a season of prayer right now for North American Missions. And when you give to our North American Missions offering, 7% of, of this offering goes to support the Tennessee Baptist Children's Home. So we want you to know that as we're a part of this offering, a part of this season of prayer, we want you to see where your dollars are going and how they're impacting lostness here in Tennessee. And so I want to welcome you to First Baptist. We're so glad that you're here to worship with us this morning. Our lead pastor, Dr. Cox, is on vacation, but we're excited Tim's going to be preaching. And so we look forward to that. But I want to welcome you. If you're a guest with us, in front of you is a guest registration card. And we'd ask you just to take that and fill it out for just a moment. Uh, at the end of our service, if you can go to the Welcome Center, Tim will be there. You give that card to him, and he's got a small gift for you for coming and being a part of our service this morning. We want to continue to worship together as one body, but as we do, let's just take a moment to pray and to settle our hearts as we worship the Lord this morning. Would you pray with me? Father, you're good, and you do good. And God, as we look at videos uh, like we've just seen, and we see it how you're at work in our world, God, I thank you that we get the opportunity to partner with you. God, that not only you save us, but you invite us to come now and to be a part of the work, to be a part of the Great Commission. 
to be a part of making disciples who make disciples who make disciples throughout the entire world. And so, Father, as we celebrate Easter, I pray that we would be a part of this mission. And we thank you for the opportunity to do that. As we worship you now, may you be pleased with our worship. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Will you stand with us and let's sing together. I got saved. Sing it with me. There is a river of gladness that pours from Emmanuel's veins. The sinner was plunged beneath the flood and God saved. Amen. How about you? Since then I walk in forgiveness. Chains of the past are broken at last. I got saved. Oh, I got saved. I'm undone by the mercy of Jesus. I'm undone by the goodness of the Lord. I'm restored and made right. He got a hold of my life. I've got Jesus. I could I won't. promise maker or are you a promise keeper
your vows are covenant and broken You've made it known through history Your love will never be unfaithful Never walk out on me Never walk out on me I have no reason to doubt you Who you have been you'll always be And though the future's still unfolding With everything I've seen How could I not believe You are the promise keeper Your word will never fail And my heart can trust you, Jesus I won't be overwhelmed And my eyes are gonna see Miracles and victories You are the promise keeper And your word will never fail You will return all that's been stolen there's nothing that you can't redeem And though the story's still unfolding With everything I see How could I not believe You are, you are a promise keeper Your word will never fail And my heart can trust you, Jesus I won't be overwhelmed I'll see your goodness right here, right now, I will, cause you know the ending, before the beginning, and I know that you have worked all things out, and I'll see your goodness in the land of the living, oh I'll see your goodness right here, right now, I Cause you know the ending Before the beginning And I know that you have worked all things out I know, I know You are the promise keeper And your word will never fail And my heart can trust you, Jesus I won't be overwhelmed Cause my eyes are gonna see Your word will never fail. 
see your goodness in the land of the living. And I'll see your goodness right here, right now. Sing it. You know the ending for the beginning. And I know that you have worked all things out. Oh, Lord. We do know that you are the great promise keeper. You've made promises and you've kept them. Oh, Lord, we come before you this morning knowing that that your intention is to speak to our hearts this morning, Lord. And so, Lord, we want to ask you to help us to open our hearts up to you, to hear the word of God spoken through Tim this morning. I want to pray for Tim as he comes and brings your message. I pray your Holy Spirit will guide and lead him. And give him clarity and give him the words to say that that you have put on his heart this morning. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you, Todd. Well, good morning. It's great to be here to worship today. And as Jake mentioned, Dr. Cox and his wife, Cindy, are traveling. And they'll be back tomorrow and back in the office. And so I look forward to their safe return. I want to begin this morning by just simply asking a question, what is your life built on? Um, uh, To do that, I want us to to go and look at maybe the most well-known sermon of Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount. And so we're going to look at some scriptures there, and you can follow along in your Bibles. We're going to be going to Matthew, uh, eventually to chapter 7, but we're going to begin in chapter 4. You'll see the verses on the screen as well. But I want to begin just to give us a little bit of context about what the Sermon on the Mount looked like, what was taking place at the time. And so if we go to chapter 4 there at the very end, beginning in verse 23, we see Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan River followed him. So we need to have in our minds this picture that the people were coming from the north, the south, from all over, coming to listen to Jesus. In fact, they were bringing sick people. They had heard that he could perform miracles, that he could heal them. And then if you continue in chapter 5, verse 1. Now, when he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them, saying. See, then in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, we see Jesus talked about uh, what it means to be blessed or to be happy, right? To, there in the Beatitudes there at the beginning of this message. You see, he's going to preach on very practical things, relational things that we should be doing in our lives as believers in Christ Jesus, that our lives ought to look different. So he teaches them to pursue and, and, and thirst and hunger for righteousness, that they ought to be peacemakers in their life, that they ought to give mercy, that they ought to be pure in heart. He calls us to be the salt and the light of the world. He then gives some examples, um, you know, checks us on the way we're pursuing that righteousness. How how angry do we get? Uh, Do we struggle with lust? And what's our relationship and our marriage look like? Are we loving our enemies? Are we keeping our word? See, then he he questions them uh, 
about their giving and, and their, their desire to pray and their need for fasting. And he asked them what they treasure in their heart. He goes on and, and talks to us that, that we shouldn't be people who worry, that we shouldn't be a judgmental people. And then he says that we should treat others the way we want to be treated. So all these major things, these big things, tough issues, life issues, right? And then he comes to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and he gives three comparisons. They're in pairs. The first one is, is, a, is two roads. You see, he said one road is wide, it's, it's broad, it's easy to travel down. There's no expectations on your life to travel down that road, but that road's characterized by sin. And that road leads to eternal death. See, then there's another road, and that road is narrow. The gate is small, the road is hard to travel down. There's expectations on the way you live your life that he had just explained. But he said that road leads to eternal life, and it leads to freedom. He then gives an example of two trees. And he said one tree is healthy, and this healthy tree bears good fruit. But the other tree is unhealthy, and it's diseased, and this unhealthy tree bears bad fruit. And he tells us that our lives will be known or recognized by the fruit that we bear in our lives. And he says that, that the trees that bear bad fruit will be cut off. And so the third pair of comparisons that he gives us is where we're going to spend our time today. And so uh, it's talking about two different foundations, that your life is built on. So hence our opening question, what is your life built on? So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 7. I want to read all four of these verses to begin with, and then we'll go back through them uh, one by one. Beginning in Matthew 7, 24, uh, Jesus says this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, or does them, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had no foundation in the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. You see Jesus is standing looking over this crowd that he's just been preaching to there, the this, this Sermon on the Mount. And he's describing two very different foundations that people build their lives on and the outcomes that follow. You see the, the first person or maybe the first option there in your, in your worship guide, the first type of person in verse 24, they hear the word of God. They hear the word of God and they put it into practice. In other words, they do what they're hearing in God's word. They obey God's word. And that person, Jesus says, is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. See, I think Jesus uses this illustration because we already know that he's He's elevated, he's gone up a little bit on this mountainside to, to teach the great crowds that come to him, and, and he had, you know, got up a little bit higher, kind of like when, when I want to talk to students, sometimes I'll go up two or three steps, you know, we, we just had 100 plus students on a trip, and to be able to make sure they're all looking at me and hear me, you know, I get up a few steps, hey, right here, look, look right here, you know, get off your phones, look right here, right, and I think Jesus had got up on this rock, right, so this morning, I, I'm a visual learner, give me just a moment, um, <clears throat> I 
I think if Jesus was standing on a rock and he talks to us about this foundation, you see, here's the funny thing. I know some of you walked in here this morning and you thought this platform was going to be Todd's dance floor. It wasn't. We're uh, thankful for that, Todd. Now, give me just a second here. I assure you that that is the heaviest. Thank you, Todd. That's the heaviest low-tech visual aid we've ever used around here. But Jesus is standing on a rock. And he's describing that we need to build our lives on the solid rock of Christ. And so this person hears the word of God and doesn't. Right? He puts them into practice. So I want to pause for just a moment and think about hearing the word of God. See, there's numerous ways that we hear the word of God. You hear the word of God in church. You hear the word of God in your connection groups, right? You hear the word of God on podcast. You hear the word of God in your devotional time. Parents, hopefully your children are hearing the word of God when you're teaching it to them. You see, we, in order for us to be obedient to God's word, we have to hear his word. And so that's just kind of a simple thing to think about. But we have to be putting ourselves under the authority of God's word by hearing God's word. You see, God's word is our foundation. See, all things need a good solid foundation that they're built on. When you build, when you build a house, they're built on a good solid foundation. First, they would uh, you know, dig out a trench that would be around the, what the perimeter of the house is going to be. They'll dig a trench where the load-bearing walls of that house are going to be. They'll put rebar in that trench. They're going to fill that trench with concrete. And then they're going to build. They're going to be forming their block on top of that footer, right? And that forms a solid foundation to build your house on. It makes me think about when we built our back parking lot, the newest parking lot that we built there just outside the preschool doors. And that parking lot needed to have a strong, solid foundation underneath it. All these cars were going to be driving on it and parking on it. And so we watched for several days in a row as they dug out um, dump truck load after dump truck load of dirt. And then they brought in dump truck load after dump truck load of large rocks going down to smaller rocks all the way up to gravel leading up. They filled that, they dug it out five feet to hit solid ground. And so that parking lot needed to have a solid foundation. And that's the same way that our lives need to be. So for us to be wise, we have to build our lives on the solid foundation of Christ. That's what verse 24 tells us, that, it, that a wise man, he built his house on the rock. And so everyone who hears these words and does them. It doesn't say that you become wise uh, just by hearing the words, right? That a wise man hears the words and does them. We don't become wise just by coming in here. We become wise by living out and applying God's word to our life. See, the test then becomes, in, in verse 25, says this, you know, when we experience the storms of life, the trials of life, Jesus says this, the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. You see, the wise person builds to withstand anything in their life because their life is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. You see, when you build your life on the foundation of Jesus Christ, no matter what storms of life come your way, you can survive those storms 
because you can stand on the solid rock of Christ. So the solid foundation in your life helps you to endure temptation, right? You can endure peer pressure. You can navigate relational issues because you're standing on the solid rock of Christ. You can overcome uh, anger issues. You can overcome the issues in your life because you're standing on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ. See, that's the first person. They've got their life grounded on a solid foundation. But there's a second person, a second option that you uh, see there that Jesus explains. That's it's in verse 26. Let's read there. But everyone who hears these words, these, these words of mine, and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. He built his house on the sand. You see this second person also hears the word of God, but doesn't put the word of God into practice. He doesn't live out the word of God. You see this foolish person built his house on the sand, and they built their, their, their life on what made them happy. They built their life on what they wanted to do. They built their life on maybe what was easy. You see, just like a rock, I've got some sand here this morning. gonna have one we gotta have the other you know I don't know if you've ever been to the beach you know I enjoy going to the beach anybody ever build anything in the sand on the beach you know it could be easy to build stuff on the uh, in the sand let's smash this down a little bit but you know, the, the thing about building in the sand is even though it's easy, it can also be frustrating, right? Because no matter how fast you work, no matter how hard you work, that high tide is always coming in, right? And it's always trying to knock down, and no matter how hard you work, no matter what you do, high tide still knocks down that beautiful castle that you've built. Have you ever dug a hole at the beach? We like digging a hole. We, every time we go to the beach, we've got to bury somebody or bury all of us. And the thing, about, you know, the thing about going to the beach and digging a big hole is that inevitably what happens when you dig a hole? It collapses, right? Because everybody's leaning in, reaching in, trying to dig out that hole. And even though it's easy to dig, you're pushing more in with your knee than really what you're digging out. And so we have our example of the foolish man who built their foundation on the sand. And you see, the sand, we know about sand that it collapses. It shifts, it moves. And that's the place that the foolish man built his house. And I, I'm inclined to think that he did it because it was easier, right? It didn't require as much work. Just like the easy road, you could do whatever, you could live however you wanted. You didn't have to obey God's work, it was easier to dig in the sand. It's a softer type of soil. You see, this person is foolish because they built their life on something that's unstable. See, listen to verse 27 then. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. You see, here's the thing. Unlike the rock, when you're trying to stand on sand, it just collapses. 
it doesn't hold us, right? It shifts. It's unstable. We can't stand here and, and, and depend that we can get through life's tragedies and life's storms because we're not built on a solid foundation. We give in to temptation because we don't have the solid foundation of Christ below us. We, we have marital struggles and we gossip and we lie and we cheat and we steal because our lives aren't built on the solid rock of Christ and the foundation that he provides us. You see, the foolish man's house fell with a great crash because their foundation is unstable and it collapses. So when we think about this passage, we can notice we see two very different people uh, one, a wise man that built their house on the solid foundation, a foolish man that built their house in the sand, ignored God's word. See, here's the thing we can notice that they both heard the word of Christ, right? Everyone who hears and obeys and everyone who hears and doesn't put into practice. They both heard the word of God. They both lived their lives. They both built their house, right? One was wise, one was foolish. The one difference is the wise man was obedient to God's word and the foolish man only listened, but didn't do what he said. Jesus knew that day when he was preaching to that crowd that some would listen. That they would hear the words that he was preaching and that they would, would obey the word of Christ. That their lives would be changed, but he also knew that many would hear. Not put into practice the words that he said. You see, this isn't the only place in scripture that we're told that hearing isn't enough. And in James chapter 1, verse 22, James writes this to the church in Jerusalem. He says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. You see, he's telling that church it's not enough just to hear. It's not enough just to listen. But you've got to do what the word of God says. If not, you're deceiving yourselves. See, you deceive yourself because your life is not really built on a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not really built on the solid rock, of the foundation of Christ. You see, Jesus had given another warning. He talked about that we can't just hear and, and not obey the word of God, but listen to Matthew. If we go back up a couple of verses in Matthew chapter 7 there, still in the Sermon on the Mount, he says this in verse 21, not everyone who hears uh, or not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. You see, it's not enough to hear and not obey. It's also not enough to say the right things and not obey. See, sometimes in life we just want to use the right words. We just want to give the right answer. We just want to say the right Christian things, but then go out and live however we want. Right? And Jesus tells us who's going to be in heaven. It's going to be those who do the will of my Father. See, what is your life built on this morning? See, being at church, even hearing God's word is not enough. It's not the same as then obeying it and living according to the word of God. See, the people in the crowd that day were faced with a decision. They were faced with the decision of changing their lives according to the way that Jesus had called them to live. He had just preached this, this uh, sermon on the mount and, and given all these things and, and described this is what the life of a believer looks like. Here's how you're going to live your life according to my word. But then we see that he, he ends this sermon with these three comparisons. Because he's telling them this, this is a matter of heaven or hell. 
right? There's, there's a, an easy road and a hard road. There's healthy trees and there's unhealthy trees. There's solid foundations and there's unstable foundations. I want to look for just a moment at the way this passage ends and what Matthew writes and kind of concludes the Sermon on the Mount with. He says this in Matthew chapter 7, beginning there in verse 28, right after those verses we just read. He said, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, right? They were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. See, I used to be confused about these couple of verses. Let me me give you a little bit of insight into these couple of verses. You see, they did recognize that Jesus taught with authority, and that's good. If we go back through the Sermon on the Mount, we'll see places where Jesus said, but I tell you, right? Or therefore, I tell you the truth. It's the first person, I. So Jesus was speaking on his own authority. And oftentimes when we see the rabbis teaching, when we see the Pharisees teaching, they were always quoting another rabbi or quoting the the teacher that taught them. They were always quoting somebody else saying, well, it's on their authority and these traditions that I'm adding on are on the authority of this rabbi. It wasn't on their own authority. So one good thing is they recognized that Jesus taught with authority. But that word, the crowds were amazed See, the crowds were amazed. You could, that, that word, um, I think we got to pause for just a second and think about that word. You see, amazement, um, the, the crowds were amazed, they were astonished, but them being amazed doesn't convey acceptance. It doesn't mean that they accepted what Jesus had said. The Greek word expleso um, has a variety of emotional meanings, but commitment isn't one of them. You see, commitment isn't one of them. Let me give you two examples. I think we've got to go to Matthew to see how does Matthew use this word? What is he meaning by this? If we go to Matthew chapter 13 over just a few chapters, um, and and let me read up just a couple of verses. So this isn't what's going to be on the screen here. Let me read just one verse leading into it. He says, coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogues. This is Jesus. And they were amazed. In fact, they said, the people said, where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? So they recognize he's wise and they recognize he's got miraculous powers. They were amazed. But now listen to Matthew 13, verse 58. And Jesus, he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. The ESV says their unbelief. Okay, let's go to chapter 19. Let's see one more quick example. One more quick example here um, is when Jesus is speaking to the rich young man. And this rich young man comes forward and says, I've done all, I've kept all the Ten Commandments, right? He's, uh, I've done all these things right. What must I do to be saved? And Jesus says, sell all of your possessions and then you'll be saved. And what happens? In verse 22, then the young man heard this He went away sad because he was to sell all of his possessions and follow Jesus. And that didn't bring him joy. Jesus wasn't the treasure of his heart. No, in fact, when Jesus said, sell everything that makes you happy, he was sad. And then a few verses later in verse 25, 19, 25, when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished. 
There's our key Greek word again, explaso. They were amazed, astonished, you might say shocked, because they thought, man, this guy, is, this guy says he's keeping the Ten Commandments. How, you know, who could be better than that? But they didn't know his heart. Right? This man didn't love Jesus. He didn't treasure Jesus in his heart. He didn't really want to plant his life for his house on the solid foundation of Jesus. You see, my point is this. You can be amazed at the miracles. You can be astonished at the teaching. You can think that Jesus teaches with authority. You can sit here week after week and not really have your life planted on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ. Because that requires you to surrender your life, to, to turn leadership of your life over to Jesus, to trust in him, to put your faith in him. You see, you're either going to have your life on the solid foundation, on the solid rock of Christ, or you're going to have your life on something that collapses, something that sinks, something that's unstable, something that can change like that. You see, the foolish builder didn't establish his or her life on Christ. They didn't believe in the gospel. They didn't obey the word of God. They didn't surrender their life to the Savior. They heard the words of Jesus and went and did their own thing. This morning, I want to invite you to a relationship, to a life that's built on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. Plant your life on a solid foundation on the word of God. Surrender your life to him. Trust in Jesus this morning. He's a solid foundation to stand on. He won't collapse. Your life won't fall apart in him. Even if you go through the storms and you have trials, we all will. We're standing on the solid foundation of Christ. This morning I invite you to surrender your life to him. Surrender your life to him. Put your faith in him. Trust in him this morning. See, he's the true authority over your life. And only Jesus can offer you new life in him. Only he can offer you eternal life in heaven. Will you trust him today? You know, this morning, maybe you want to follow in obedience and, and come and talk to me about being baptized. Maybe this morning you want to come and talk to me about surrendering your life to Christ. Maybe this morning you want to come and, and talk to me about joining our church family. No better place to hear the word of God and have people help you obey it than the church family. So this morning, what is your life built on? Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning for your word and I thank you for the promise that you are a foundation for our lives and that if we build our lives on you and if we trust on you, that Lord, that you'll be our solid rock foundation. Lord, that no matter what we experience, no matter what we go through in life, that you're there to hold us up, to help us to stand firm on you. Father, I pray today that if there's somebody here that their life is unstable and it's collapsing around them, that they'll see that what they need to do is plant their life on your solid foundation. Father, help them to have the boldness to trust in you today. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. This morning, our invitation is, is slightly different in the sense that at the conclusion of the service, if you'd like to talk to me about any of those things,
please, I'll be out at the welcome desk. As you're exiting these doors, head down to your left and walk up the ramp. I'll be there. Come, and let's talk about how you can obey God fully this morning. Let's stand and sing. All right, we're going to sing about that solid rock, this great old hymn. You'll recognize it. Here we go. We're going to have a little fun with it. Amen, amen. Thank you, worship team. You guys can be seated for just a moment. And as we uh, close out our service, I want to point you to your worship guide for just a second. Inside there, you'll see this volunteer interest survey. And uh, we'd ask you today and next week to look at this, pray over it. And would you fill out where you would like to serve 
for our next church year. We have receptacles where you can drop this form in over here by the library and then over at the Welcome Center. But um, in order for our ministries and our programming to work, uh, we trust in the body of Christ to serve and to make that happen. And so we just ask for you, if you know today, to go ahead and fill that out and drop that off. Or if you need a week to pray about it, uh, the deadline is next week. Uh, we want to give you the opportunity to continue worshiping through giving. On the back wall, you see the two drop boxes. That's where you can drop off tithes and offerings if you'd like. They're right there. You can always give through our website or through our church app as well. And then if you're a first-time guest and you filled out that guest card, be sure to stop by the Welcome Center, meet Tim, and he's got a small gift for you there. Let's take a moment to pray together. Father, I thank you for the message we have heard. God, I thank you for the challenge to build our lives on Christ. Lord, as we do that, may we invite that opportunity to others as we step into our mission field this week. We thank you for your goodness to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.